What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everybody, Bridie here. This week's guest is Zoe Kors. Zoe is a sought-after thought leader of intimacy and sexuality. She's the resident sex and intimacy coach at the sexual wellness app Coral, which we talked to her at length about in this conversation. And she's also the author of a book called Radical Intimacy, Cultivate the Deeply Connected Relationships You Desire and Deserve. Jeremy and I spoke to Zoe about three levels of intimacy. And she also told us all about how she came to be doing the work that she does today. We loved this conversation and we'll see you on the other side. Alrighty, we are sitting down with Zoe Kors, who is a uh, sought-after thought leader of intimacy and sexuality, right up our alley. Totally. Um, and uh, the author of, of the book, Radical Intimacy, Cultivate the Deeper Connected Relationships You Desire and Deserve. Uh, and that book is now available wherever you find books. Zoe, first of all, thank you for joining us all the way from Los Angeles, uh, and uh, take a second to introduce yourself to our listeners. Give us a little bit of, a bit of background. Um, how did Zoe find herself where she is today, uh, being a thought leader in the world of intimacy and sexuality? 
Uh, thank you, you guys. I'm really excited to be here today with you. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's not a, a simple story. I, um, first of all, I have a private practice in Los Angeles um, where I see clients, individuals and couples and help them kind of um, have the best sex life and intimate life and exciting, juicy, enjoying and in, in, enjoyable life that they um, that they can have. Um, I also am the resident sex and intimacy coach um, of Coral, which is a sexual wellness app. So we sort of take all of the things that I do um, with clients and sort of funnel it into app form. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's really it's actually like a very cool project. And it's been um, kind of mind blowing to be able to help people do this kind of work through, you know, uh, their devices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also do, I also offer my services through a place called Center for Relational Healing and their um, sort of subsidiary, Helping Couples Heal. And they specialize in compulsive sexual behavior. They they call it uh, sex addiction. That's a, a little bit of a controversial term these days. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But uh, sex addiction and betrayal trauma. So I my role on that team is to help couples um, reintegrate healthy sexuality after the trauma of betrayal is healed or, or, you know, relatively healed and they're not in crisis anymore and they're sober. And, um, so that's a, another sort of piece of work that I do. That's pretty specialized. Um, how did I end up here? That's such a good question. And I ask myself that all the time. Um, I had a 10 year sexless marriage in my twenties and it was me who, um, was not interested in having sex with my husband at the time who, you know, we were, um, we had otherwise what felt like a really loving, healthy relationship. And, uh, I just did not want to have sex with him. So after um, 10 years, when my, I tell the story in the book too, um, when my daughter was six weeks old and I got my sort of, my gynecologist said, yeah, go ahead. You're all clear to have sex again. I realized that this was not okay and it was not getting better. Um, And so we ended up ending the the marriage. I I basically said to him, you deserve to have someone love you, you know, all of you in every way. And I, I started to sort of understand some of the patterns, you know, and why I was in that marriage and, and replaying, you know, my relationship with my enmeshed codependent mother and, um, and, and some of the ways in which that shut me down emotionally inside the marriage. Um, And I also had been going to my gynecologist and um, insisted there must be something wrong with me hormonally or chemically or, or something, you know, and she pretty much said, you know, I'll do whatever blood tests you want, but you're a healthy young woman. And I'm sure that this is a, a, a relational dynamic that's going on. And that's the reason you're shut down sexually. 
And she was right. Um, my blood work was fine. And my therapist, we could talk and did, you know, backwards and forwards about um, the emotional landscape of of the relationship of the marriage. But nobody could really get to <laughs> the, the sex part. Mm. Like no one really. I was sort of in the dark. And and that kind of set me forth on a mission to understand sexuality and desire and arousal and, you know, the, the sort of totality of, of that part of us. Um, so, you know, then life took many twists and turns and, but it eventually, um, I ended up writing an article for, um, elephant journal. I mean, I actually wrote it and submitted it to Mind Body Green, who wasn't publishing anything about sexuality at that time. They turned it down. I put it on Elephant Journal, and um, it went totally viral. Like Ooh. I think it's at two and a half million views at this point, and like a half a million Facebook shares. Oh wow! Um, it was called Six Ways to Have Radically Intimate Sex. And at that point, I said to myself, self, <laughs> this is it. I, I was kind of like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Am I going to be the woman that talks about sex? Like, this is it. Yeah, this is yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. my thing. <laughs> so that's that's where I am now. And, and, and that that piece of writing that went viral, those six ways how did you how did you glean that information to put those like like and 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 what were those six things that you you chose to kind of put out there um that obviously resonated so deeply with so many people well yeah it's a great question so i um I actually have a previous professional incarnation as an art director and graphic designer. And I, I, I ran my own branding studio for a, a long time. And, um, and so I wasn't doing this kind of work, um, but I was practicing. I, I'm sort of a lifelong meditator and um, yoga practitioner. And um, I ended up doing a sort of a deep dive in Tantra. There's mm. a teacher who is actually, she's, she's no longer alive. She took her life uh, a few years ago. Um, her name was Psalm Isadora. And she was doing a particular kind of Tantra practice that was very authentic, very, it wasn't neo-Tantra, which is sort of a, um, sort of a cleaned up version, you know, extracting a lot of sexual sort of technique and ideology um, from the original deep practice. Um, Psalm was really going there and it was a very mystical experience. Um, and it, something happened for me, like it, it, the, it was a paradigm shift for me. And all of a sudden through working with her, I, I understood myself in a way that I hadn't before. Mm. And I understood sexuality in a way that I hadn't before. And some of that is, um, a lot of that is sort of steeped in, um, you know, ancient Sanskrit mantra and rituals and um, practices that are definitely not for everybody. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I, 
had this idea that it unlocked something for me that was beyond all of that, that people who aren't interested in ritual and chanting and mantra and meditation and, uh, you know, Hindu ideology and all of that, um, there's, there's an aspect of what happened there that is available to any human being. I just had to find a way to figure out what that was. What is it? And and what is it? How do I make that available to other people without all of the, you know, the sort of um, spiritual dressing? Mm. That's really Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so that... that I, then I wrote this article, right? I took, I, I boiled that down to six things and it, and it really was a casual article. It was like, you know, don't like stop talking, um, take orgasm, you know, off the table as the goal of sex and, you know, enjoy the, the pleasure along the way. Like it, you know, it's yeah. very basic things. Mm. It's, you know, when, when something like that goes viral, it's like, it, it speaks to so much more than our love of like lists and like making things simple. And, you know, we have, a, we've been having these conversations for five years and we, oh, we're always like, oh man, people want People need to talk about this area of their life and they glom on when they find something that's like, yes, this is well articulated. This Mm. speaks to me. This puts things into words that I've never put into words before. And it makes sense that when that went viral, you had that moment of, oh, I'm now I'm the woman who I might be the woman now who talks about this because we're we're almost we're almost always looking for that voice mm-hmm. like for more insight for like anyone to to shine a light um on these like quote quote unquote like problems that we are seem to bump into over and over again i really resonate with your story about like um you know being in a long term relationship and being like where is where's this part like every, you know we think it's relegated only to the existence of a relationship or a committed relationship. And when it's not there, it's like, is this relationship okay? Is it healthy? Mm. Is it still loving? Like if, if it's missing this piece, it feels, it feels dire. Mm-hmm. It feels urgent and, 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 and always the elephant in the room. So I'm curious to know, like, I guess following your, um, following the, uh, what's the what's the nice way of saying like closure the closing of your first marriage um of your marriage did did you find like did you find like okay I'm gonna start with myself and and try to make sure that I'm going into my next relationship with where this pattern won't repeat or did you did you think of it more of as like okay what what other information can I gather that's helpful to others was it more a personal focused um pursuit or or for the benefit of the people um well i took a 10-year um detour (laughs) (laughs) it's not Mm -hmm. it's not you know it it wasn't a a a tidy little you know when we make the 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 like you know 
Zoe Kor's biopic and we script the whole thing for public consumption, um, we, we will clean it all up and make it all make sense. One thing <laughs> following the next. But no, you know, I think what happened for me is that I left that that marriage and I ended up um, without any real skills, you know, for for yet for understanding what was happening. And I ended up going into, I think a year later, I went into another 10 year relationship in which the sex was fabulous. And, but there were other pieces missing. So then I took that information, right? That experience. And then I got super in, intentional about it. And, mm. um, and because there I was again, you know, after 10 years of what I thought was going to be a lasting partnership. And, and I was like, okay, I'm never going to feel this way again. Like I am not going to feel like I've like, I don't know who I am and I've lost myself. And like, that was really much more the crisis point for me. And, and by that time I was in my forties. So, mm. you know, when you're in your forties, you just kind of calm down a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's so like, just to that point, like it, it, it is, it's so wild to me just to think about, and, and I'm sure this resonates with at least, at least one other person out there listening to this right now, but that, that notion that like of losing yourself within a relationship is so, it's so, it's so fucked. It's such a, like, it's such a confusing, challenging, like, all-encompassing experience when you're in a relationship with someone and the relationship isn't working and it hasn't been working for, you know, a, a, an extended period of time. And all of a sudden you, because you've been like so in, intertwined with this person and so close to this person for such a long period of time, you, you really do lose touch with like who you were because of not because of somebody else, but, but that other person plays such an integral part in that sort of loss of, of your own familiarity with yourself, which is so fucking crazy. You know, like I, I mean, I've, I've been through that. I've been through that and it is, it is just, it's so devastating. And then when you get out of it, that journey to try to find yourself again, you know, for some can be so liberating and so beautiful and so exciting but man, for some people, it's it's just um, it, it's a really, really deep, deep challenge to to try to find who you were uh, once again, or to find the new version of yourself. It, it it's great. It's grief. You know, you're grief. You're grieving the loss of yourself. Um, and uh, and that's that's one of the I guess that's one of like the prices we pay for for loving somebody. Sometimes, you know, there's. There's a lot of different types of grief that that come with love, and and unfortunately, that's one of them—the grief of losing touch with your yourself and and the things that, you know, losing touch with the things that excite you and losing touch with the things that you identified with before before all of this, before that other person kind of wedged their way into your life or you wedged yours into theirs, you know. Uh, yeah, I, um, you know, Jeremy, what you're speaking to is exactly. Um, what ended up leading me to write this book and and not just write this book, but I've been sort of um, 
sort of formulating and and you know in, inventing or constructing this sort of methodology or model of intimacy for years and um which culminated in the writing of the book mm. about it and um I think what you're saying is incredibly common. More than one listener is identifying mm-hmm. with that. I think it's really yeah. kind of a, a common condition. It's also something that we're primed to experience. We're culturally conditioned to think that um, that we sacrifice our individuality inside of a, a inside of a partnership. And, you know, I mean, you complete me. That's the, the, mm-hmm. the, the Jerry Maguire thing is like, no, yeah. no, actually, mm. we are each complete. And, um, you know, I mean, that's the foundation of intimacy, um, you know, in the sort of radical intimacy model is intimacy with ourselves. And it's mm. something we're not taught to do. It's something we have no, no tools and skills for, um, I mean, not no, but like nobody's sort of articulating this and putting any kind of intentionality behind it. Mm. Um, look, we can only meet each other to the extent that we can meet ourselves. So what's, can you let, can we talk about what radical intimacy with yourself looks like and what, are some tools to get there? Well, you know what? Sorry to jump in here. Maybe, maybe before that, Bridie, it would be it would be helpful to kind of break down um, the the different like types of intimacy that exist because I I I, I haven't had a chance to actually read the book, but I, I was I was doing some like perusing and I I'm I'm I was really captivated immediately um, by the the you know the opening of the book and this like this case for intimacy uh, at the the intimacy matrix and the sort of breakdown on like the three different levels of intimacy. Um, I've never thought about intimacy in that way. I've never like really thought about how there are different types of intimacy. And you, you seem to have like broken them down uh, pretty succinctly in these like three primary categories of intimacy or three levels of intimacy. Can you give us a bit of context as to like, what are those, what are the, the three levels of intimacy? What is the, the intimacy matrix? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to try to verbally draw this picture for you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so the, the, I define three kinds of intimacy um, and the three kinds are <clears throat> emotional intimacy, which is the experience of recognizing and articulating and expressing and accepting feelings and moods of ourselves and others, right? Mm. The emotional landscape our emotional being, um, the achievement of, of emotional intimacy is predicated on on uh, empathy and also a cognitive understanding of the nuance of emotions. So we have to be able to process emotion and understand that anger comes from a, a deeper level of either rejection or abandonment or, you know, um, there are all kinds of nuances of, mm. of emotions, not just, you know, when, when clients come to me, they often say like, how do you feel about that? And, and often surprisingly often the answer is good or not good. And there's no uh, sort of cognitive understanding of, of anything more nuanced than that. So um, yeah. So, you know, emotional intimacy, um, 
that sort of being seen, seeing mm. and, and being seen. Um, the second kind of intimacy is physical. So physical intimacy is the experience of, of connection and familiarity with our own physicality as well as that of another, right? So when we're physically intimate with ourselves, we know how our body works. We know what uh, which sensations are pleasurable and which cause discomfort or pain. Um, sex is one form of physical intimacy, certainly, but also a hug, a kiss, um, any type of touch um, or closeness. Like when you're standing in an elevator next to someone, mm. right. Or you're shoulder to shoulder at a, at a baseball game or something, you know, there's a physical intimacy, that proximity is, uh, is a form of, of physical intimacy. And that, you know, physical intimacy basically is achieved when we can tolerate proximity and touch and remain relaxed and regulated mm. when our nervous system allows us to be with what our internal body's feeling, um, what our, what our, the surface of our body is feeling and experiencing and all of those sensations. And then, you know, when it gets to, um, physical intimacy with someone else, um, our nervous system can block that intimacy, that sort of free flow of closeness. Mm. Right. So, um, and then I define this, and this is the piece that I took forward that had, took me years to sort of explore and understand myself and to sort of um, translate and make available is the idea of what I call energetic intimacy. Mm. And so, you know, this leans really into, I mean, you know, and I try in the book to touch on scientific concepts like the nervous system and what happens in the nervous system. That's all energy. You know, I mean, it's it's also part of our body. So it's it's physical intimacy. But our but the energy of our body. Is energetic, right? It's energetic mm. intimacy. Um, there's also relational energetic intimacy. So. The way I describe it is energetic intimacy is the experience of feeling deeply connected to someone beyond the utility of speech and touch. Hmm. Right. Okay. Um, you will find this in shared experiences. Right. That if you are like, you know, if you're cooking dinner together, mm. it's not an emotional experience. You might not even be touching each other but you're having a, a, a closeness um, that happens because you're doing something together. You're sharing experience, walking in the, you know, imagine like walking in the woods mm. side mm -hmm. by side, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're sharing that feeling. Imagine not even touching each other, not even thinking about, did you pay the bills? Do you like my, breasts do you you know all of that but you're looking at each other just gazing into each other's eyes for that mm -hmm. moment of connection mm -hmm. soul to soul two individuals breathing each other's air like that's incredibly intimate mm -hmm. so those are the three kinds of intimacy the three levels of intimacy are simple it's self other and world mm -hmm. um world can be 
nature, the earth itself, nature, everything that we sort of encounter out there. Mm. It can also be huge swaths of the population, you know, the people in Ukraine. That's a mm -hmm. part of a world concept where mm -hmm, you can be mm -hmm. intimate with um, groups of people. Um, so if you grid those things out like a bingo card, imagine the three kinds of intimacy, emotional, physical, energetic along the top and from the bottom up on the left side is self other world. And you grid that out, you end up mm. with nine squares and those nine squares represent areas of opportunity to cultivate intimacy and closeness and depth. Mm. Um, and so you end up with physical intimacy with self, emotional intimacy with self, energetic intimacy with self, mm -hmm. um, and then with other and with world. And mm -hmm. so that provides um, a roadmap, like a schematic, a roadmap that you can travel around and have experiences. And some experience hit more than one box. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Mm -hmm. um, but if we start to articulate for ourselves, you know, that feeling of being heartbroken and lost and like, I don't know who I am. And like, uh, I've built I've built this life with someone or I've built, you know, I've spent this last year wrapping myself around a partnership with someone that I don't even really remember who I am. That isn't a necessary condition, like a necessary part of being human to some extent, sure. But if we were to cultivate a, a deep connection to ourself, a really intimate relationship with ourself that is indelible, indelible, we always know who we are and we have practices to access that part of ourselves, that sovereignty, that agency, mm. that wholeness, then we can allow people to come in and out of our lives without losing ourselves and, and have it be grief and have it be grief of what the relationship brought to our life and not grief for who we are mm -hmm. or thought we were. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I love that. Like the, just like, and again, you know, it, the, the verbal, um, drawing of the grid, um, it, it's, it, when you see it in front of you and on, on, on paper, it's, 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 it's lovely to see that, that grid, you know, like, um, uh, physical, emotional and energetic with, with, you know, with self, other and, and world. And just to, th it, it just, I mean, the first thing that I, I thought about when I was looking at that was kind of what you were saying there, like just thinking about all the different ways that you can experience those types of intimacy, again, in ways that you might not really think about, um, you know, for example, before we, before we started this conversation, like if someone would ask me about my thoughts on intimacy, I would just, I would immediately gravitate to, well, intimacy with somebody else. Like that makes sense to me. You, you're intimate with your partner. You're intimate with your friends. You're intimate with your family. Um, but certainly not the world. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, never... Like I don't think about being intimate with mm -hmm. the with the with like the the coastline or or being intimate with the cityscape. Um, but I certainly felt an intimacy with the world 
with COVID. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In terms of like, if we're talking about intimacy, but you like didn't think about energetic it like that, right? and emotionally. No, 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 no. Like actively, you weren't thinking about that. No, but it's the first thing that comes to mind when I totally. think about. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then how those things intersect, you know, the mm-hmm. intimacy with the world, with your partner and yourself, you know, it's like they, they all intertwine and they, they, they cross over one another and there's so much connection there. Um, it's real. that's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And I, a lot of the, the, um, the, with self, um, intimacy section really interests me. And it also makes me concerned because I think I've always been more concerned with my own inner world and my own experience of the world than I have been maybe at, at getting to know my relationship and responsibility and role, um, to the world and even to my significant partners. And in my relationships, I would say this is something like my friendships, something that I relatively, uh, or regularly rather feel, um, a little bit, uh, in what's the word I'm looking for anyway, not skilled in, um, (laughs) and even just thinking about these like self intimacy practices, it doesn't surprise me that my mind goes here, but it seems like a lot of things that would be really good for that are things that a lot of people turn to for a sense of spirituality. Um, so like I'm also a yoga practitioner and I also do meditation and I also do, you know, pranayama. But one of the things that I find about that, and this is a personality thing, I think, but it's hard for me to it almost feels like those practices exist in a more like they give me so much life, but they almost exist more in a austerity or self-discipline world as opposed to an access point to, to being maybe more loving in the world. I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, yeah, it's, I guess it's just the, the maze the maze of figuring it all out. I, I, I don't know that we want to go too far down this road, but, um, but I do find that there are practices and teachers and disciplines that are very sort of geared towards um, a traditional monastic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And there are um that it's not always when we do these practices, um, meditation and yoga and pranayama, um, that it's not always applied to what's called in Indian culture, Indian spiritual culture, uh, the life of a householder, Mm -hmm. right? An integrated life where you're actually practicing and living um, and making money and running, you know, the the economy of a household. and raising children and blah, blah. Mm. Um, and so there are people in the world and some certain disciplines that are really focused on that. The, the, for instance, the, the kind of Zen Buddhism, the, the sort of, um, uh, you know, philosophy of the Zen Buddhism that I practice comes from, Thich Nhat Hanh and Bernie Glassman, it's socially engaged Buddhism, right? So the focus of it is really specifically how do we take the practice from the zendo, from the cushion, 
and use that for the good of humanity and activism. Excuse me. Um, And, you know, and I think that there, there have been teachers along the way that, that sort of, that do that. And I really lean into it. Ramdas is another one. Mm-hmm. Ramdas mm-hmm. uh, was really an incredible um, character, you know, um, really, if you don't know who Ramdas was, he was Richard Alpert. Um, and uh, he and Timothy Leary were Harvard psychology professors and they were pioneers in psychedelics and mm-hmm. what ended up being LSD. And then, you know, Timothy Leary continued that, you know, for the rest of his life. Richard went to India, found Neem Karoli Baba, guru, and ended up like sort of giving up LSD and and sort of, you know, taking a big you know, consciousness, spirituality trip, Mm. um, and then began to really teach along those lines. And I, I, I knew Ram Dass and, um, spent a lot of time with him and I quote him a bunch in the book and and a lot of what I, what I sort of bring to this idea of intimacy with self and intimacy with other and intimacy with world leans into some of his real, um, sort of teachings, his principles like witness consciousness, being able Mm. to um, have an experience, but also hold a bigger perspective, you know, be able to witness yourself having emotions, you know. Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, to that point of of like witnessing consciousness, can you can you walk us through um the the notion of emotional independence that you kind of break down in the book? What is emotional I- independence? And like what what constitutes emotional independence? What does that mean in in the context of 
of radical intimacy? Yeah, um, emotional independence is um, is you know you hear a lot about emotional intelligence, right? Yes, and that yeah. that's something that was developed actually for the workplace um, and uh, for helping people sort of um, uh, operate effectively um, by not just by understanding how to manage teams from a sort of intellectual perspective, but also to, to give some weight to the recognition of human beings and the, and, you know, the sort of emotional human experience in the workplace. Um, I, what, what I mean by emotional independence is this idea that it's almost sort of an answer to codependency where you mm, don't really mm. know what you feel and you're sort of always a reflection of what's happening for your partner or mother or child or friend or colleague, you know, where you're, you're sort of, um, your boundaries are blurry. You are, you know, I meet a lot of women who, who, self-identify as empaths because they're always feeling what everybody else feels and mm. you know and and actually what i think it is is just a lack of emotional skill you know and a lack of boundaries and a lack of letting people have their experience without feeling like you have to do anything about it so there's there's a a real persistent collapse of um of of those sort of boundaries in relationships and emotional independence is a way of understanding our own responsibility for how we feel right mm. so we often will say you know when we're sort of having a conflict with a significant other we'll often say things like when you do that you make me feel like shit Mm. You know, and there's an example in the book of a client who is like, when she, when my wife doesn't want to sleep with me, it makes me feel like shit. She makes me feel bad about myself. And there's that Eleanor Roosevelt quote, like, nobody can make you feel inferior without your permission. Mm. That's a paraphrase. That's not word for word. It's close. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah, like there's a, there's this sort of like, Look, emotional independence, you have to own your own shit. You know, you have to take responsibility for yourself. You have to be able to say, like, um, I'm having this conflict with my partner and I don't love that, he, you know, they feel this way. Um, and they said some things that I have an emotional reaction to. I end up feeling, you know, X, Y, or Z because you know, that's how, that's what they expressed to me, but we have sovereignty over how we feel. Mm. Yeah. Like the choice, the choice to say that, um, like I accept responsibility for how I feel and that I, I bring that to this relationship, like that I'm going to be maybe triggered by that phrase that you use or those particular words that you use or the volume of your voice because of things that I brought with me into this relationship. Mm. And so at a certain point I need to be able to go, okay, this situation 
is making me feel a certain way. And I can also recognize, you know, without going down into my own story, I can recognize that this is like based on a story I'm, I've sort of made up about this interaction and, um, yeah. And I, and I can also be, I love the word generosity. I can also be generous enough with my partner to assume that they don't want me to feel like shit. So, uh, so like Never putting assume. it into perspective. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you downright, you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I'd like to, I'd like to also kind of like dive into a little bit, um, uh, in, in the realm of physical intimacy. Um, you know, the other day, Brady and I were, we were recording an episode and we were talking about, um, this, this, um, this resource online that is basically this classification of the, the external anatomy, the variance of the external anatomy of, of the, of the female genitalia. I listened to a little bit of that episode, oh, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so one of the things that that struck me in 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 talking about that was was how um, you know they say in the introduction of this study was was that about ninety percent of all women have been self conscious about their their genital appearance at some point, <clears throat> and usually this is during adolescence or or young young adulthood. And one of the one of the chapters in your book um, is is titled uh, "Master Your Instrument." And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I've actually never thought about this, uh, until now kind of putting these two things together based on the, the conversation we had about the external anatomy of, of people with vaginas and this notion of like mastering your instrument and how, how developing a familiarity and, and sort of, uh, a, I guess like a, a an appreciation of your own anatomy kind of plays a very important role in your own ability to be physically intimate with somebody. Um, can you, can you kind of break down what, what mastering your instrument is all about and, and how, how your relation to your own genitals can, can really like have quite an effect on the, your ability to be physically intimate with somebody else? Yeah. Um, yes. And, um, so, mastering your your instrument is like i mean none of us are self-conscious about what our pancreas looks like right <laughs> yeah right right you know and <laughs> yeah. i mean it, it's like this our bodies are miraculous and mm -hmm. and they really are they exist if you think about like shutting off like what if none of us were ever influenced by media mm. you know what if what if we just were like running around completely natural like we would we would appreciate our own and our and each other's bodies mm -hmm. you know there wouldn't be this sort of shame around or this uh, the idea that we should look a certain way that penises should be a certain shape or size and that you know, testicles, you know, and, and actually, I mean, to some extent, size is a big concern, I think, mm -hmm. culturally, um, you know, we, we are less focused on the size of the testicles and whether they, uh, you know, a scrotum hangs below the, the penis or whether it's high and tight or, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and without getting into a huge sort of, 
misogyny, you know, conversation about women and their genitals. Um, yeah, um, the way that we look is um, it, it's become a focus of of our our sort of our worth and our mm. desirability. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is with sexuality, there's, I think of it as like two threads in a double helix, like a strand of DNA that are sort of tied up together, right? Twirling around each other and, and intertwined and symbiotic. So the way we, um, the way we think about sex is one of those threads and the way we feel when we're having sex is the other thread. Mm. So, you know, when we are told that we're not enough and, and, you know, it's not that like, let's hope it's not usually that somebody looks at a little girl and says, your, your vulva isn't enough. Your vulva isn't pretty enough. Your labia is too long. Your you know, mm. whatever. It's not that it's that explicit, but, there are tons of implicit messages um, and and t sort of tangential explicit messages about um, what we're supposed to look like and smell like and taste like and feel and behave. And, you know, we need to be um, we, we need to be sexy and attractive for men and we're not supposed to have our own desires. So then mm. our sexuality lives in service of men. Like all those messages, when you bring that to a, a sexual encounter, it's constantly in the background. Yeah. Um, and, and what happens is, is that you, there's a disconnect between what happens organically in the brain, erotically, and, and what, and the, and the level to which we're able to feel sensation and relax and get out of our thought patterns and um, and shame cycle and really relax into what's happening moment to moment to moment. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I'm just thinking personally about that. I, I don't remember ever. I mean, there was no talking about sex or body parts or anything like that growing up. So I don't remember having any sort of hangups about what, you know, and I was also very sheltered. I didn't see, I didn't see any porn. Um, you know, probably wasn't in until in my early twenties where I was like, Oh, worrying about the way your vagina looks is a thing. Mm. Uh, maybe, you know, I should add that to the list. I, d I never did <laughs> add it to the list of things <laughs> to worry left about. Out. I hate my pussy too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just even saying that, like I'm a 38 year old woman. And when I think about my body, right now in a sexual situation, I know that, th that implicitly in my mind, I'm not seeing it as a body of, you know, unlimited possibility. I've, mm. I'm thinking of it as I've seen other bodies, um, sexualized and it's in comparison to that. Like, I guess I never really thought about that before, but just hearing you talking about it, I'm thinking about like, what is my body as a sexual instrument? And I'll, the images that are coming to mind are all these like sexualized images that ab absolutely came from the media. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like, what if right from the beginning, 
they learned something completely different. Like it has nothing to do with the way that you look externally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, there's so much self-expression that gets lost. Yes. In- and, and I mean, like, you know, when it comes to like dating and stuff, we're, we're, in, we're, we're, we're living in a time where it's, it's like the worst it's ever been when it comes to that, because you look at, you know, I'm, I, I don't know this. I don't know the fucking stats, but like, I'm sure if you look at a, a sample group of, you know, 200,000, 18 to 25 year olds, there's probably about 90% of them that are using things like Tinder or Bumble or Hinge or whatever to meet folks. And that entire, that entire ecosystem it's is window shopping only ba- is fully based on hot or not. And that's it. You know, like you are attractive or you are not attractive. And there's so much missing when it comes to actual like connection with someone, you know, or just even the ability to develop that part of yourself yes, yes. without being like, well, first I got to get the package right. Yeah. 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 And, and you know how that, it's just, it just snowballs into, into this inability to, again, like find a way to be intimate with others or yourself or even the world. You know, I, I, I also, I would be remiss if I didn't point out too that I noticed that you guys refer to a woman's genitalia as a vagina. Mm, yeah. And right. we're talking about, and it's actually a vulva. What you see, you don't see a vagina. Right, a vagina sure. doesn't appear anyway because it's completely internal. The <laughs> vagina, for listeners who don't know this distinction, a vagina is is from the opening of the vagina up to the canal that goes up to the cervix. It's the mm. it's the that, you know that little tube basically that a baby mm. comes out of and a penis or a dildo goes into if you, if you're into penetration mm. and, um, and so what we're talking about is actually a vulva. And the fact that we don't know that, that we use all these mm. euphemisms and mm. that we really don't even call a woman's anatomy by the right thing is, um, you know, it speaks volumes. It's to, pretty telling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that correction. I, I gotta, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking bad with that. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I only call it a ding dong and a hoo ha. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> we're regressing here. We're going back to codes over here. Um, uh, Zoe, um, I before we before we kind of wrap it up, I, I do want to kind of just throw it back to Coral and the work that Coral is doing. Um, you know, in, I'm a bad interview in the midst of our, our chat, I, I signed up and, uh, got on the app and, uh, went through the whole, went through the whole fucking process. It's a beautiful app. It's really fucking cool. And, uh, one of the things that I want to point out, um, is that I really appreciate that in signing up for this, one of the very first steps after you kind of give your name and you're, you know, you sign up, whatever, and, um, and like how you identify, is that there's a, a sort of pop-up that says, um, that gives a stat about, um, you know, sexual abuse and, and it gives you the option of whether or not you would like to have um, trauma-informed um, uh, content. content, content, and which, which is, I've never seen that before. And I think that's, uh, that's, really, that's really wonderful and really valuable for, for a lot of people. Um, how long you've been doing the work with Coral and, and, you know, if someone hears this right now and they're, they're kind of curious about getting it, it's on the app store. I got it for my iPhone. Um, what can people expect when they pop on there? Yeah. Um, so 
uh, Coral, God, I'm losing track of time now, but I think we launched in November of 2019. Um, so I've been working with the founder, Asharna, since 2018, I believe, August of 2018. Um, and so Coral is, um, what can people expect? So it's, there are a lot of um, sort of parts to Coral. We have um, the sort of general philosophy is learn, play, talk. Mm. So we have a lot of sex education. There are a lot of things that, you know, you might want to know about yourself, your anatomy, physiology, psychology. We have journeys that you can sort of move through um, and depending on what your goal is, you know, um, feel more confident or um, feel more connected or heat things up. Um, mm. We have a variety of different sort of desired outcomes from your work with Coral. Um, we have a um, a really cool um, chat thread, a couple's chat where you invite your partner, you each mm -hmm. have your own individual relationship and can consume whatever content you want on Coral individually. But then you can connect your accounts through this chat. Um, so it's a it's it looks very much like a text thread, only we curate content for you and we send daily prompts to connect. Mm. Um, so it creates like a, a sort of, you know, a, a point of contact, like what's your partner, let your partner know what your favorite body part is, or try this exercise or, um, and, and we sort of, I, I create a lot of that. So it's sort of curated by a sex coach mm. and very mindfully and intentionally. And then there's a huge community of people, you know, a sort of like, you know, Reddit style community with threads and um, and people comment. And it's incredibly I'm like I'm so amazed and proud, uh, unlike some of the places I've been on Reddit. It's mm -hmm. very loving and supportive and um, it's a it's a safe place to be. And we take our it's moderated. We take our um, safety and respect um, very seriously, very inclusive atmosphere. We have a wide variety of staff members, all different races and orientations and genders and uh, all over the globe and um and advisors and we're in the app all the time mm. and then what i was brought on to do originally and now I've, I've sort of diversified and i do a lot of different things but um it's sharna walsh the amazing founder um she reached out to me originally to create experiential exercises to drive home the the, the learning that's the play piece um, so you, you know, you learn about stuff and then you actually have guided audio exercises. Like we have a set of, um, five different blowjob techniques mm. or how to, you know, guided audio where you can actually put, if your partner has a vulva, for instance, you can, you put in earbuds, you put on atmospheric music for the, for the vulva have her that's receiving you put your earbuds in and and we talk you through pleasuring her orally wow that's fucking cool man yeah. i love sex and tech 
That's a great, that's a yeah. really awesome sort of, uh, uh, implementation of, of technology and, and sexuality. That's fucking bad. Then we also have these, you know, one of my favorite things to do is we have events, um, monthly events where some of them, I mean, we do a lot of different things. We have experts come on, we have uh, communication exercises that we have, you know, they're called date nights and some of them are solo date nights and and many of them are, are partnered, but like, I will talk people through on zoom um, mm-hmm. it's webinar style. So cameras are off. We can't see you. You <laughs> yeah, just yeah. see me, but I talk you through oral pleasure or I, my, my favorite one is always like a guided self pleasure, mm. especially like in tandem for a couple to come log on to zoom, um, get naked. And I talk you through, um, self pleasuring wow. yourself oh, cool. next to your partner. That's cool. awesome. That's so fun. That's unique. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, well, Zoe, I got to say, this is this has been just like an absolute treat to be able to sit down and and have some of your time to hear about the work that you do and to kind of dive into Radical Intimacy. Again, folks, the book is called Radical Intimacy, Cultivate the Deeply Connected Relationships You Desire and Deserve. It is available now. Um get it go get that book how can people follow you zoe and and keep up to date with the work that you're doing thanks so much i'm i'm everywhere you go i am zoe Kors. so you can follow me on instagram and twitter and um and go to my website zoecores.com it's z-o-e-k-o-r-s.com and that's kind of the hub for everything i have a, a podcast and uh all kinds of stuff that that's you can Z. follow Zed for Canadians. Oh, yes. Z-O-E. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Uh, Thank you, Zoe. This has been a real treat. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. All righty. Hello. Hello. We're back. Uh, we had a little bit of time off. A little, a blip. A little blip of time off because uh, there was a whole thing of scheduling that just like fell into our laps. But uh, you were away in Ottawa. I was here doing some speaking, and yeah. uh, and apparently you killed it at Coca. Oh, I I think I did really well. I don't want to like. I got a bunch of messages from people that were there, from and who? just you know, some students that work for certain universities that I've had a relationship with over the years. And oh no way! Yeah, and what they, kind uh, of things did they say? Um, one young woman, <laughs> Meg uh, from Laurier, who's one of the like student reps there, mm-hmm. she said that uh, you killed it on stage and wanted me to tell you that all the people at Laurier were really big fans of what you did. Amazing. Yeah, so. That's nice to hear. Tell yeah. people, like, I mean, for people that are listening, just give them a, a like, what was, what, what, what did you do? What was Coca? What was the purpose of doing that? And like, what was the experience? All right. Some insider behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, some, okay. So Coca stands for Canadian Organization of College Activities. And wow, it's good like, job. I would, I've spoken at Coca and have won an award <laughs> from them and I still couldn't even have done that. What? Oh, I didn't win an award. I got lecturer of the year. Wow. Coca, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, Did you also ago. just have like a 20 minute slot to present? Well, no, it was it was based on this on the um the keynotes that I delivered at schools. 
that year. Oh, I see. And then Coca comes together and they're like, okay, we're going to give out some like Coca awards. Okay, yes. It wasn't from my present presentation at Coca. It yeah. was from my work at schools. That's great. That I got through Coca. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, you could, <laughs> you, you, I mean, depending on what we book. Yeah. You, we could end up with a, you know. So of the it's like, award. it's a bit of a thing, Coca. Like it is. you have to be reasonably, you know, pitchable to them to go in there and be like, hey, program us for your yep. Frosh Week or your w- Student Wellness Week or just a one-off live show. And <clears throat> and so Jeremy and I, we had been sort of planning on going to this since, you know, early May or so or even before. And figuring out how we were going to customize our what we do in yeah. a live show for this 20 minute pitch and so we you know we we made some decisions and time started ticking away and then like 2 weeks before actual coca our speaking date Jeremy um not even 2 weeks it was like 5 days oh my god Jeremy got called off to do something else which he absolutely had to do yeah. and i and he told me that I think you should do it yourself. And so it was an interesting moment. Maybe we can talk about that later. But I had been in a real down in the dumps. And I was really stressed out about this already. And then when that happened, the weirdest thing happened. It was like, it was like I needed I needed it to happen. I needed like a little bit of a kick in the butt to be like, yeah. you have to stop thinking the way that you've been thinking or you're literally not going to be able to do anything. anything. Yeah. And so I I had this little, little I was like, yes, Bridie, you can do this. And I went up there on stage and I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't work really hard on on uh, what I was going to deliver there, but I think I delivered a pretty good representation of our podcast and yeah. what we do, what we've learned and fuck, it felt great to right? be yeah. in that situation again, like up on a stage in a theater with like with 150 an outfit people on yeah. with everyone yeah. looking at me yeah. at 2:30 in the afternoon on day 2 more or less of the conference so a lot of these folks didn't know each other yet we're talking about a, about 150 people and yeah. if you've ever been to one of our live shows we sometimes play this game called getting to know you or <laughs> yeah. like stand up sit down and so you know we, the game is that I'll make some statements if they're true for you you stand up if they're not true for you, you sit down and we progress through things like I own a vibrator to I pay sex workers, you know, whatever it, get, it covers the whole gambit. And, uh, and my first question was who owns a vibrator? Or, I own a vibrator. And like one person in the very back of the auditorium of 150 people stood up and there was a brief moment. I didn't even register it at the time. I just knew they were going to play along. And eventually I, I would say a split second after people realized that, that they were actually supposed to play, uh, they leapt to their feet. Right. Yeah. 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 So, like, if you went to university um, and you saw any band yeah. or magic ma- show, magician, or like hypnotist, or any kind of concert for like Frosh Week or whatever, that's what Coke is booking. So, like, they're yeah, it's looking like your to college book. A student association. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so that's really cool. Uh, congratulations, Bride. Thanks, uh, baby. Uh, you. It sounds like you just nailed it and i love that for you and uh it'd be really fun if we can get some uh get some trips booked in for the year and go see some folks around the country and oh, i'd love that it'd be very fun um and i have to give a shout out to laura i don't know laura if you'll when or if you'll listen to this 
Um, but I ran into someone at the airport on my way home. Oh, yeah. She ran into me. She said, are you Bridie? And then we started talking. And we had emailed back and forth a while. She had been listening to the podcast. We had emailed back and forth about having her maybe help us with some social media things. But it never ended up panning out. But she owns a dance studio in Ottawa. Oh, cool. And we had like the nicest chat for like an hour while we waited. She's off to Iceland. She's in Iceland right now. Wow. Very fun. Yeah. And that just made my, it made things so nice. Well, um, uh, very excited about all that and uh, really just excited about the summer. I'm just, I just put a, I just put like a little calendar together, like in my notes Mm -hmm. where I just like broke down every day that I have something going on. Yeah. It's a crazy summer. Yeah. It doesn't take long. No, it It, doesn't. It's like bulking up. Yeah. And I can't wait. I'm going to get so fucking tan. I'm going to be so sandy and I can't fucking wait. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any trips that you're going on? Over the summer, or are you mostly? Well, I got a couple here. camping things planned out, but um, I'm not really. My next trip isn't until October. Okay. Going to Montreal. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, folks, we hope you enjoyed that conversation with um, with Zoe. Zoe Kors. Uh, man, just like the last like two guests have really been yeah. setting the bar. It's it's been very fun, very fun conversations. Mm-hmm. Hope you learned something from that because I know I sh- certainly did. And uh, I can't wait to write my next Coca speech when I can talk about all of the most recent conversations. And yeah, that I've yeah. Um, and uh, listen, a little bit of a little bit of like a a a, 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 a little bit of insight into the the future of Turn Me On podcast. So we're you know we're coming up to uh, I guess you could say like another iteration of our, one of our seasons, mm-hmm. and so we're shuffling some things around. Uh, we're going to be stepping a, a, a little bit away from the um, foreplay or aftercare segments, and instead, we'll you know we'll we'll just have we'll put most of the focus on the conversations that we're having with the guests that we have on. Yeah. Um, and then every once in a while, we'll throw out a host episode where it's like just just, just us the, blathering yeah, on just about the two of us things on the internet. That's right. Um, so uh, if you're wondering where where the uh, where the aftercare segments have ended up. Just kind of phase them out for now, and uh, and just give us a little bit of um, room to focus on on creating some some more engaging stuff um, mm-hmm. for you guys and also for our patrons. So if you want to support the podcast on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash turn me on. And uh, if you want to support the podcast further, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can just rate the podcast on Spotify. And uh, we hope you enjoy this week's episode. We'll be back next Wednesday. Very excited. We got a couple of recordings coming up that we're stoked to put out to you and um in the meantime uh that is it for this week Mm -hmm. so until next week go touch yourself Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.